an act of terror, the worst in New York City since 9-11. Eight people are dead, at least 11 injured, in, bra in a brazen daylight attack on a crowded bike path along the Hudson River. A truck rented today from the Home Depot entering the bike path, plowing south through cyclists and pedestrians for 16 blocks, slamming into a school bus at Chambers Street, injuring two students and two adults. The attacker then jumps out of the vehicle with what turned out to be a paintball gun and a pellet gun. He is shot in the abdomen by a police officer and taken into custody. The suspect identified as 29-year-old Seifulo Saipov. A source says that he left a note in the truck claiming the attack was in the name of ISIS. Law enforcement sources say he came to the U.S. from Uzbekistan in 2010 and most recently lived in New Jersey at least part-time. Witnesses reported the suspect was yelling Allah Akbar, according to four law enforcement sources. This man followed almost, almost exactly to a T the structure and the guidance that, uh, that ISIS has laid out online in order to carry this out. So the thing to wait for is, uh, you know, ISIS's media channels trying to put up some video in the next few hours. Now, it's strange because, as Paul Cruikshank was mentioning, they claim credit very recently for an attack that had nothing to do with ISIS, Las Vegas. They were right out the gate with that. On this, they're waiting a while. So now I, another paradigm that's shifting is, does their waiting a while mean that they're in production mode trying to prepare some grand announcement and that proves essentially that this guy was in fact a willing executioner of the caliphate. What we're seeing are two kinds of attacks. Uh, one is what the FBI calls enabled uh, and we will certainly investigators will want to see if this happened here uh, where there was some kind of uh, direction by a virtual uh, ISIS rec uh, recruiter somewhere in the Middle East or perhaps in Europe who directed this guy to do this attack or was he simply inspired like Omar Mateen in Florida uh, without any direct contacts with ISIS. This is going to give us a rare opportunity to, to take someone who, frankly, I think, wanted to commit suicide by policemen, jumping out of the car with those two mock weapons, who did not die, and now will be subject to interrogation. And as you've already pointed out on the show, we don't have to Mirandize him as long as we have a reasonable threat still existing. The suspect was known uh, in some way mm -hmm. to the FBI, to law enforcement. You're listening to the Propaganda Report with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley. Today we're going to talk about the terrorist attack in New York City yesterday, how it ties in with the federal regulation of the Internet, the top ten agenda items that are going to be furthered with this attack, and we're going to do a comparison between some of the Odd similarities and differences between this attack in New York City yesterday and the attack in Las Vegas on October 1st. Monica, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. So that was kind of the what happened audio clip. Before we dive into it, I want to play you one about one minute of a little bit of the, the response that we received yesterday and have heard a little bit today. Difficult, obviously, to, to prevent these sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, unless we plan to sort of turn ourselves into some sort of prison system where, uh, you know, anywhere where there is a kind of large crowds and vehicles uh, able to access them, that we're going to kind of cut that off. Of course, that's, you know, we're not going to do that. I am today starting the process of terminating the diversity lottery program. We ask all New Yorkers to live by the idea if you see something, say something, tell an officer immediately if you see anything unusual, anything that worries you. More police uh, everywhere. Uh, you'll see them in the airports, you'll see them in the tunnels. Uh, it's not because there's any evidence of any ongoing threat or any additional threat. It is just out of vigilance uh, and out of, out of caution. The NYPD has always rigorously believed uh, that we need to keep guns out of this city. The last thing it's about uh, is, is politics, period. As far as the gun laws, uh, I am increasingly <laughs> proud that New York State uh, passed some of the smartest gun laws in the country. And I hope one day we'll have a federal policy that actually brings sanity to the gun policy laws uh, in this country. So that was Mayor Cuomo. Is that how you say his name? Cuomo, yeah. Cuomo. His father was, to, like, for us to think that we don't have nepotism or hierarchies, dynasties. His father was the governor of New York when I was growing up. He is the governor of New York. His brother 
is a propaganda agent, i.e. journalist, supposedly, being, I'm sure, completely objective, not political at all, in his delivery of news. Oh, on CNN. That's it. See, I, I thought that that was his son, or that the cat was his dad, I mean. I think Andrew and Chris are brothers, and the dad was Mario. Okay. Mario. We used to call him Mario Cuomo. All right, well, that's a lot to unpack there. I want to talk about the agenda items that this event is clearly serving, and then I want to show some of the odd similarities and differences between this event in New York City yesterday and the Las Vegas shooting back on October 1st, starting with the 10 or so – I don't know the exact number, but the agenda items that this event is serving. I know that you had identified a bunch of them, so let's go ahead and start right there. This is one of those things where – this guy hits so many trips, so many flags, so many buttons. They were absolutely ready to roll out every one of these agenda items. And yes, I realize that the agenda items are always waiting for a crisis, but this one was just, it's just too fast for, for everyone from top to bottom to have the talking points and for him to have weird ambiguity. So this guy, the perp, uh, he was an immigrant, but he was radicalized in the U.S. Uh, through social media. And this brings his status brings in this idea that like what Trump was saying today was that he should go to Gitmo, that the, the criminal justice system is bad. It takes too long. He was essentially uh, criticizing due process. And that, but this guy is a legal resident of the United States. He he qualifies for due process. Uh, to me, this was an orchestrated event. Might maybe have been fake, but this guy, this whole thing, whether he's a patsy or not, was set up. And I'll tell you the agenda items one at a time, whatever. Let me ask you a question. Did you hear that guy in the clip say we don't have to Mirandize him? Yes, he's obviously setting it up so that. This guy says may or may not be used against him because already you're setting up a kind of appealable offense, appealable, you know, objection. Yeah, and the guy was pretty super excited about it, too. I, I believe he was a former CIA agent. I mean, the fact that they're premeditatedly depriving this guy of Miranda rights and doing it for to exploit the situation in itself makes you wonder if the ongoing threat he couldn't mirandize the guy oh because they don't have to recognize the rights because he he might otherwise not give them the information they need so i get why they're saying it it just seems mm, a little too convenient yeah and i'm seeing breaking news right now that the suspect waived his Miranda rights before he was interviewed at the hospital. So they didn't have to deprive him of his Miranda rights. He just gave him up on his own. Also a little too convenient. But the police officer, whatever his name Cuomo. is. Cuomo. He said there's going to be police everywhere in the tunnels, in, on the streets, in your closet, in your bedroom, in your kitchen. There's going to be police everywhere. And it's not because there's an increased threat. There's not an increased threat. We're just being <laughs> vigilant. Yet this other guy was giddy with excitement at the possibility of being able to interrogate a suspect without having to Mirandize him because there might still potentially be a threat out there. This was obviously before the suspect gave up the Miranda rights. The point is one guy is implying that there is still a threat and the police are saying no threat, nothing to worry about. Which one is yeah, it? The, there are two things there, though. I got I to gotta point out. This, this first responder, law enforcement, whatever, hero worship. I mean, I have many relatives who are New York uh, NYPD, NYFD first responders in New York. They're brave people. They're competent. They're, uh, they have, what do you call it, integrity. But this hero worship thing isn't about respecting that these guys can do their job. This hero worship thing is about uh, authoritarianism, worshiping the military. You're either on the side of the guys in uniform or you're not. So you can have them crawl up your butt. And if you object to it, you're downright un-American. You're un unappreciative that this guy, uh, you know, from, from shot shot a man with a pellet gun and a paint gun. I understand the guy did bad stuff with the vehicle. He was outside of the vehicle at the time. Supposedly he did. But the, to worship, you know, to make it, they made it very clear that 
this cop didn't necessarily didn't save any lives because the guy had a paint gun, you know. But and how hard is it? It's not like he took him down physically. He took him down with a with a projectile. And numerous people say the first thing we need to do is thank that cop. Thank that cop. And it's like, okay, I got you. Thank you. You are getting paid for it. And we should not worship these people. We pay them. They work for us. I appreciate it. But we cannot worship them or we stop caring about their limits. It's playing into that. The police are going to be in your kitchen. And that's not a theme that I heard just from just from this guy. The, the see something, say something. I heard that from multiple different sources. The thing about the cops being everywhere, that was on multiple different networks. And uh, oh, what was it? No, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, the the themes of what they were pushing were consistent through all the networks, and they were consistent very quickly, just like you said. And the no Miranda thing was folding into that, you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to interrogate him, and they don't care. So so that right is out the window. Uh, The the due process Fifth Amendment, which I tagged last year as being in the crosshairs, uh, the First Amendment. Hold on, let me stop you right there. Was that agenda item number one, or let's just just tick off the agenda items, just one by one? You want me to take them off? Yeah, take them off. Uh, this this some of them are just continuing items, like uh, guys in uniform being worshipped as heroes unquestioningly. You're either with them or against them. Don't even evaluate what they do. And right there, let me stop you on that one. Yep. During the FBI press conference, when that guy Aaron. I can't remember his last name right now, but the guy at, during the Las Vegas shooting who, who was standing behind Lombardo the whole time, giving yes, him the weird right. eyes, when he gave his press conference, his brief statement, he said very clearly, you need to trust the FBI. You need to believe us. You need to trust us. If you see something, say something. You just need to trust us. He kept emphasizing that. So the same theme was present there. That's what they were saying during Harvey, too. Trump was saying, do what you're told. Do what you're told. People were being demonized for not doing what they were told. For anybody who thought for themselves was being demonized. Yep. So uh, the the one thing that probably isn't going to be at the front of everybody's radar, but it's a big deal, and I'm sure you, this caught your ear. Uzbekistan uh, hasn't been on the radar, but it's really important, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. So here's the thing with that. Central Asia which is where the Dagestan thing comes in. So the Sarnayavs were uh, from Dagestan. They were, from what I can tell, CIA operatives trying to radicalize Islam in Dagestan, which is basically Russian area, which is why Russia was mad about that. Is this but number those, two agenda item? I didn't mean to cut this you off. Is agenda item, yeah. Okay. To extend our war into Central Asia. Okay. So the, yeah. the agenda item is the authorization to use force, which these guys asked for, Yesterday, I think I heard it on the news. They want to re-up this broad, sweeping, we can um, we can just invade countries. That That is basically, has been technically supposed to be the Middle East and Al-Qaeda. But they want to push it into Central Asia, which was where the Dagestan stuff comes in, Afghanistan, Pakistan, now Uzbekistan. That, if I understand correctly... The oil and gas reserves in the Middle East are peaking or have peaked, and the ones in Central Asia are the ones that you're going to want to bring online. Now, whether we go to these wars to control that because we want to own it and sell it or just because we we don't want anyone else to be able to uh, use that as the balancing power, like assuming that the – let's take this level of the chessboard, Russia versus the U.S., you know, those two teams, you we want to control Central Asia. And that's kind of hard because Russia and China are, <laughs> you know, they they basically could absorb Central Asia. They, they always kind of have. So that's a big thing here is that it's going to be used to say, OK, a lot of terrorists come out of there. That's what they're saying. OK. Yeah. Okay, and I'll be quicker with the rest of the agenda items. All right. Another thing is this supported Lindsey Graham saying to James Comey, is it or is it not correct that as ISIS declines in power in the Middle East, that will make it more dangerous here? We will get more of that here. Now, that's been a headline over the past 24 hours. This is a sign of ISIS getting weaker, not stronger. Yes, I saw that one. Yes. Yeah. The um, the big, big one. Is this is, number four right here? Yeah. For me, the big, big one is... The ambiguous uh, 
status of this guy allows a dialectic to unfold where Trump says he doesn't deserve due process and then the left says he does deserve due process. And in the end, you end up redefining due process the way Michael Chertoff wants to, which we've talked about in previous shows, wants to rewrite our basic uh, uh, legal principles. This is part of that. So this is right up Chertoff's alley. The Wicked Witch of the UN is what I call him. Yes. Uh, I personally think that the immigration thing is a, is a diversion, like a red herring or whatever. And they're like, we're going to extreme vet. And what's with this diversary latity thing? Yeah, I saw <laughs> like, that. You might have rehearsed that a little bit. Or, you know, I'm so down the rabbit hole. I actually think this guy deliberately doesn't deliver. He, they tell him not to practice the speeches so he seems like an authentic person. So that he seems like this guy is not acting. He's not bullying you. You know when he's reading off a piece of paper because he can't read. You know, But he can read. You know, I was thinking about that the other day when it comes to his tweets. And it's brilliant as a PR strategy. Whether it was intentional or unintentional at first, I guarantee you that the communications director said – That's something we need to take advantage of because whenever he tweets a misspelling, the news coverage – there's a freaking panel discussion on CNN about, oh, the president misspelled this word, and they make fun of him for that. If you're going to get made fun of, which he's going to get made fun of and spoken negatively about anyway, why not choose what they're going to speak negatively about you? uh, you And everybody – most the average person, the average Trump voter probably – is not the type of person who really likes having a grammar Nazi come at them all the time. So when they hear a, a misspelling or they see something spelled wrong. Yeah, makes those guys look petty. Exactly. It, may, it really makes him look authentic and that he's the guy who's tweeting it. Right. And this is a guy who doesn't own a computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he tweets from five different phones. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, so that was uh, four. Okay, so the social media oh, issue, right. I mean, that just popped up immediately. So you've got both censorship and surveillance back to back on the First Amendment attack. This social media. So they said he got radicalized on social media, that he what he did was a blueprint that was published on social media by ISIS. And for me, that that is going to reflect the UK is one step ahead of us talking about extreme censorship on the Internet. It also justifies extreme surveillance and it dovetails with these big tech companies going before Congress about Russia and talking about how they're going to increase transparency. And please, 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 big brother, don't regulate us. We'll regulate ourselves, which is such crap because big tech want or big companies generally like regulation. There's an economic concept called regulatory barriers to entry. It keeps the little guy out if there's a lot of regulations. And these guys will get exemptions from anything about surveillance and facial recognition stuff because they work hand in hand with the government, with the security state. They're going to have backdoors and circumvent privacy laws anyway. So I think this is all a setup to get extreme censorship, extreme surveillance, and it goes hand in hand with what's happening on Capitol Hill right now. Yeah, I did find it odd that that happened on the same day that they were testifying on Capitol Hill. And I also find it odd that Google's I mean isn't Google pretty much run by the CIA so isn't the CIA testifying on Capitol Hill isn't that what we're really seeing I think so I mean I think it's all I just remember now maybe I look for stuff and find it and there's nothing to that but I was like okay who at Facebook is is the government person you know and Cheryl Sandberg works for the Treasury Department I guess that's not a big deal maybe that's not the government but it's I thought well You know, the government person is the person who's really running this, and who knows what connection she has back there. Uh, And then there, there have been absolute exposés written about the backstory at Google. And but I always get back to if you scratch the surface a little bit more and you look at driverless technology or voice to text. But let's take driverless technology. If you look at where that came from, because this is stuff that's so incredibly expensive to develop that, and, and we don't have this massive labor shortage, so there would be no reason to develop this. And if you look at it, the Department of Defense, there was an article just like yesterday that they use autonomous vehicles now, like tanks with guns on them. You know? they, they developed this technology. Uh, one of those guys, I forget which one, there's just, there's just that, that, those super, super big tech companies if you scratch the surface of any guy whose name you know 
you know, Gates or Schmidt or whatever, uh, you will find some kind of government research program. And the driverless technology was uh, was an MIT contest that was funded by the Department of Defense. They, they funded a bunch of guys trying to figure out where uh, how to develop this technology. And then what they do, the government actually orchestrates it. They pick and choose these guys to plug into their existing network of information so they can vet the actual individuals who they give leadership roles to because they're the ones who who are the gatekeeper to all the other pieces of the puzzle. So these maybe are legitimate. They are legitimate tech guys who went to MIT or whatever. But the guy who wins the prize, the guy who gets to be the billionaire oligarch, the Peter Thiel, is the guy who won the beauty contest as well as the tech contest. Yeah, and uh, you know, so that's why I feel like these things. You got this stuff on Capitol Hill. It's a show. Like if you want to call it the CIA, call it the CIA. But it's just right. a network that's deeply embedded in this. In this, I mean, that's how they gain control of it. They fund it, and they get people excited because they're getting funding and, and getting in this competition. But by funding it, they essentially take control of it. It's the same thing they do but with it's these. It's not just take control; they create it. Like the Department of Defense created the internet. They're creating it, and they're using these guys as fronts. I would take it one well, step yeah. further. Well, yeah, no, I, I think they can do that. But I think also, if anybody actually does uh, start to develop some sort of innovative technology, a way that they can gain control over it is they can offer to fund it, or they can call for people to come up with these creative ideas and the best idea will get funded and essentially the people by entering these contests are submitting control to it they used to do these commercial contests in fact they still do them for the super bowl where it's like a doritos ad whoever makes the best doritos ad gets their commercial featured during the super bowl what people don't realize is that when they enter these contests they submit all of the rights to all of it to Doritos or to whatever the company is they're submitting. They lose all of the rights. They have no control over it once they enter that contest. The government can do similar things to get new innovative ideas from bright minds whenever they want to. And if they have regulatory barriers to entry in place, those bright minds have no alternative. They yeah. can't break through that because exactly. they can't yeah. meet all those requirements. So they have to plug into a pre-existing system. Right, and it was Tesla who got his funding cut by J.P. Morgan. Tesla had cell phone technology back in the late 1800s. He had uh, wireless remote control, like his remote control cars you have have as a kid, yeah. But he got his funding cut off uh, because J.P. Morgan put all his money into the big oil. Well, right, right, right. I noticed the virtual theme also. They called it – what did they call it? I, I saw this on multiple networks. They said, we think he acted alone, but we're looking for a virtual wolf pack of terrorists online that might have radicalized him. Virtual wolf pack. Yeah, the digital herd is something that uh, we've been looking out for for about a year or so where they're harnessing the social energy that can be mobilized online. And essentially what we're seeing now is they're going to be taking control over it. Yeah, I mean, and when you – what you've turned me on to propaganda from way back when crowds and power or the the crowd psychology stuff like that that they're they're the ones who have historically created it and and it's good to realize that um, I still have a couple more agenda items but just to interject that the if you go back to the early days of television and radio these things were also in some cases if not all cases. And the BBC is still owned by the government. It used to be part of the War Department of the UK, of England. They, these media mechanisms are primarily propaganda mechanisms. So these media, the different media that are developed, radio, whatever, even newspapers, television. But now you have the Internet, which was created by the Department of Defense. It, you, you have to assume, I should say, like my working thesis is it was created as a propaganda mechanism, a control mechanism that is a limited hangout. So it was put there. It looks like a two-way street. It looks free. It looks whatever. So you dump all your information on there, and they get it, and you're hooked on it. And actually, economically, you're literally – unable to function yeah. without it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody did, it's the same thing they had like anti-porn laws with TV and movies. If they hadn't done that, you wouldn't have gotten all the movie theaters and the TVs in people's homes. They People would have rejected it. So you had to make it safe and friendly and then later make us all reliant on it. And now that you can see they're, they're pulling back on it. And when you tell me this Wolfpack thing, 
this makes me think they're not only just using it to censor and to feed us propaganda and to surveil us, but also now to use that crowd psychology power through social media. And that could be the beginning. You know, I've already lost faith in democracy. It's super powerful. I mean, just look at the comments on any viral post on Facebook or YouTube. It's it's like a war in the comment section of these things. People get people get in on it. It's just you feel that same psychological urge to join in what's going on. And and maybe we should articulate a little bit how this use the virtual aspect of it could lead to more regulation. I think we've talked about this in the past and we alluded to it a moment ago. But like with the whole the fear of Russia invading our country is the reason why yeah. All those people are while they're why Google, Facebook, and Twitter while while they're testifying on Capitol Hill. So we have to protect ourselves from Russia. So that's a security yes. thing. That's to my, that's protect our democracy. Elections in both ways. Yep. terrorism and Russia. You have to remember that we still have fundamental principles, especially on the right. So if uh, and I'm not like on the right myself. I, I think I'm on the right because I'm an individualist. If that's like the origin of the American right, as opposed to a collectivist. But the but people know in their their hearts that the one justification for is that national security liberty trade off. And, yep. and it's also the fundamental non-aggression principle. If they're attacking you, everybody knows it has to be self-defense. So yeah. if you take people's rights away like this ambiguous guy with Gitmo, you can take his rights away, not our rights. We're not really in danger. It's only it's only the attacker, terrorist Gitmo guy. Or Russia in a foreign entity, but there's a, there's something to this in that what you're doing is you're distinguishing, and you've mentioned this before, between people who get rights and people who don't get rights. Yeah, the legitimate versus the non-legitimate, and they're also it's going to be it, what social network was used to radicalize this guy. Did he watch YouTube videos? Because they've been talking about how a year ago ISIS published this manual on how to carry out these attacks, and he followed it to a T, which he followed it to a T. How detailed is a manual that says get in your car and mow a bunch of people over and write a note? I, I mean, he keeps saying to a T, like the media says it, the government. Right. One news network cut to a guy in an ISIS propaganda video saying something like, do you feel like you won't be able to attack people with a knife? I mean, it was like a late-night infomercial. Worry that you can't shoot someone you have to look at? Drive over them with a car. It, it was a ridiculous propaganda <laughs> ad. And they've been really pushing that. How was, was he radicalized through this ad? He followed this to a T. He must have been. But it wasn't a sophisticated plan. It doesn't take a genius to know that that's a dangerous thing to do. But they want to attribute what he did to something that he saw online or through social media because that in turn gives them a reason to say we need more regulation. So this guy, I noticed immediately he did not die. And they I even heard them say on the on CNN, I was listening to the guy said one of the reporters was telling Wolf Wilcher what's going on. And he said, uh, usually these guys get shot and killed in the act. It's like, yeah, isn't that weird? Like, why? You know what I mean? Like usually most people don't usually get shot and killed in the act of other crimes. You know what I'm saying? Like most people don't get a lot of people get arrested for you know, there's there's thousands of murders every year. How many of those murderers get shot and killed in the commission of a crime? Uh, but but the norm is to get shot and killed in the commission of a crime. I heard it on CNN, so it must be true. No, but I've observed that, and of course I object to it because, or I think those people should have posthumous trials anyway because this is a, a severe moral hazard, which I won't go into again. But he's so he's alive, and as soon as I heard that he was alive, I tweeted, "I want to watch out for this guy is going to uh, set the stage or validate the official narrative." He is going to admit that he was radicalized online or whatever. He's going to say all the things that serve this agenda. Yeah, the guy couldn't be more stereotypical with his name and his look. Yes, yes, with the upside-down beard thing. Okay, what's your next agenda item? A couple more. Yeah. So the vehicle thing. I don't know. I, uh, this occurred to me a while back. They just want to control stuff. So one of the things – this Gerald Salente, his tag phrase is guns, gold, and a getaway. <laughs> and all those things are in the crosshairs of the government, generally. Uh, so the getaway part, though, they w- they're going to want to control vehicles. And the driverless technology and the electric vehicle technology are two ways where you depend on the grid for your vehicle to go. 
And if you don't, you can't even like stockpile gas if it's electric and it's not gas at all. So it really curtailed me to have a getaway. And I, I have felt that if they could control vehicles, if they start classifying them as weapons. Exactly. Classify them as weapons. Then they can they can crack down on controlling them. Who can get them? It'll it'll add into the meme, like increasing highway deaths out of nowhere. Highway deaths are going back up. Makes no sense at all. It's not because of texting. It didn't come until later after that. It's not because of environmental lighter cars, whatever. Because it came after that. All of a sudden, it's turning around, and they're using it as an excuse to advocate and subsidize driverless cars. And in this case, uh. It was a truck, and I think – and also they're going to use it to justify absolutely warrantless, causeless searches. So when I went to New York, I went to a hotel, and a cop – not a hotel security – a cop searched my car every time I went into the hotel parking lot. So I, I was surprised at that, and I think this will encourage that and then the, or justify that increasingly, although I've gotten some tweets that say it's been going on for a long time. But something really weird I noticed was that there is a company, I think it's called Otto, O-T-T-O, which is a startup with millions and millions invested, big money, big tech money invested, that will retrofit a truck to be driverless for $30,000. <laughs> and my thinking was the only way that that would be a good investment is if rather than just allowed, just anticipating driverless will kind of just grandfather in, you know, old trucks will roll offline. Trucks, you put 100,000 miles on a truck every year. You can, yes, they last like a million miles, but you can you can cycle through them pretty easily. You don't have to retrofit it. I, I would be surprised at that unless you think there's going to be massive legislation that uh, makes it worthwhile or makes the shift abrupt or whatever. And I feel like this, these truck crimes are being are going to be used to foster this technology and nobody cares about it unless you're a truck driver and it, and this is another example that makes me crazy of the government taking our money to create technology that subsidizes capital over labor so it subsidizes switching from truck drivers to driverless trucks that would not happen if it were just corporations weighing whether to invest in incredibly expensive tech or just continue to pay truck drivers. It blows my mind that they're pushing this driverless technology so hard while also talking about how they're going to prevent dangerous people from getting and using trucks as weapons when driverless technology is going to make it a whole lot easier for terrorists to take control of cars and use them as weapons. The biggest weapon that terrorists have is their ability to hack into computers. You create driverless technology, they can hack 100 cars at one time, drive them up sidewalks all over the country. And I would say, I mean, I don't know about that sounds right, but but the greater threat, of course, which is what I'm talking about, is the greatest criminal enterprise on Earth has always been the modern state and – the millions and millions of people they kill in the for the purposes of maintaining and enhancing the power of the hierarchy and they're the ones who are going are the hackers you know what i mean they're the ones who are going to who we will be in in their control totally and even even if what they want to do is illegal they can blame it on hackers it's vulnerable right. to real hackers and those criminals behind the law hackers. Yeah, they'll be able to blame every accident like this if the car's hacked and they run over a bunch of people. They'll be able to blame it on Russia because you the know, car got hacked. It actually makes it so much easier for them, just like drones makes it easier for them to do this stuff. You don't need a person. It's there. a faceless suspect. What's the next agenda item? So that was two. That was the driverless car thing, driverless truck thing, and also the stop and frisk in the cars. Okay. Uh, the police state just ramping up the police state at every turn. It, it's just like the drug war. It this terrorism stuff. It absolutely positively uh, justifies rolling back our rights. I mean, if that is not and seeing these things, when you see, I didn't, this one hasn't been out long enough to see like if it's fake or false flag or any of that stuff. But when you see the ones that are and they are. Uh, 
the Boston Marathon bombing was screwy. I don't know who died. I don't know how many people died, but it was screwy. And the guy, John Miller, who's running this show as mm-hmm. the deputy commissioner in New York, was the was in the media at the time. He got the exclusive with Jahar Sarnayev's confession. He got the exclusive with the carjacking victim, Danny. He was the guy who had the exclusive with Osama bin Laden or something like that after 9-11. I mean, this guy is deep state spook all the way. And they, uh, you know, when you see these these events as being orchestrated, manufactured, whatever, and you see what they're doing with it, this total surveillance state, the total police state, it's scary. I mean, what do they need to have cops everywhere for? Why are they doing They can't be up to something good. Yeah, he was pretty specific that they were going to – they're going to be everywhere, these police officers. It's not because of any new threat, but they're going to be everywhere. New York's like a petri dish city state now. It's where they just they're just creating the modern city and it's so awful crowded. And the and the cars it's faster to walk. So they're probably trying to make it so that cars they I bet they'll eliminate cars from New York at some point. It'll be one of the first cities to do that. It was shocking to me how quickly you heard in that clip at the beginning where he said the last thing this needs to be is about politics. And as for the gun control thing. Yes. How he could make it about guns. He just spun this into a win for gun control, I think, is, is where they're going with this. This was very much forced into this press conference by him and by the other guy who was speaking. They made sure to get that in there because New York has these – I guess New York has stronger gun control. Is that what's going on? Very strong gun control. Yeah, so with this attack in New York, we see this guy running around slowly in the middle of the street looking around, holding what turns out to be like a BB gun. And whatever the other one was, not a real gun, but two fake guns. They're going to spin it as the reason he couldn't get real guns is because of the gun control laws here. Unlike in Las Vegas where the guy had guns, our gun controls here in New York saved lives. That's how they're going to spin it, turn it into a win for gun control. We heard him start to do that in the press conference already. And I think that's what they're trying to spin it And the cop didn't kill him because it would look bad if he was totally unarmed and the cop actually killed him. There are just too many cute little details here. This looks orchestrated to me because the cop didn't need to know. You know, I, I don't think the cop deliberately didn't kill him. You shoot to kill. It just happened to work out that the guy wasn't really armed and the cop didn't really kill him. And I just think that's right. If, if the cop thought the guy had two guns and yeah, he would have been justified in killing him. Yeah. But you but we don't have to go in the we don't have to question LEO right now, law enforcement officers, because Nothing bad happened. Nothing bad ever happens, right? You can never – there's never any they, – they never turn out looking bad, weirdly. All right. Let's hit one more. You said you had one more agenda item? Well, it was the gun thing, which oh, I don't okay. even know how it folds in except for that they were like, oh, this folds in. Yeah, I know. They just folded it in. They, that's what they do. They have this checklist <laughs> of things that they're always going to fold in. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens. Somebody could rob a McDonald's with his finger and only steal a <laughs> cheeseburger, and they would somehow fold gun well, legislation – into the what thing. Blitzer said was that, oh, Donald Trump wants to wait a while before talking about gun control after Vegas. It's been exactly one month since Vegas today, but he right away yeah. wants to vet immigrants from countries we've never heard of. I, I tell you, I really thought that it was odd that that event bookended the event on October 1st. So we had one on October 1st and one on October 31st to, to close out the month. I've also watched a whole bunch of the eyewitness testimony to see if there's any discrepancies in the reporting. Outside of minor things, like people report hearing different numbers of gunshots, but there's no telling where they were in the city and when they entered, you know, like when they came outside or when they started hearing the chaos. The one that I did notice that struck me as kind of odd was this eyewitness who describes what the guy being arrested looked like. And he's way off. He admittedly says that he's not sure, but he is really, really way off. Here's a clip. The man who was getting arrested, how was he reacting when he was getting arrested? He, he, no, he seemed very calm, actually. He um, yeah, you know, he was going along with it. He wasn't putting up a fight. What did he look like? Uh, he was a larger man. I, I don't have a good description of him, but, um, you know, larger, um, you know, kind of curly hair. I don't know. Now, if that guy had been a Smurf, then maybe to him this would have been a larger man. <laughs> but this guy, there's even a picture of his mugshot from when he got uh, 
arrested for some traffic citation or something a while ago. And there's a picture of his recent mugshot, I believe. Well, I don't know if that's – he got shot, so I don't know how they'd have a mugshot of him yet. But one of his older mugshots, he's like 5'5", five five, and he looks like he weighs maybe 115 pounds. And his beard is curly. He's got hardly any hair on his head. So I don't know what this guy was looking at or if he was just trying to provide an answer because he felt like he was on the spot because you know, people want to give an What answer. was this guy arrested for? He was arrested. He had, he had this weird kind of um, traffic ticket history. Across multiple states, I believe, and one of them was in Pennsylvania. It might, I think it might have been this one where he was illegally pulling a trailer without the proper license to be pulling a trailer. You get a mugshot for that? Yeah, that, that was something that was confusing to me. There, there is something there. There's something to his traffic tickets and that older mugshot that as of right now don't add up. That's where I think these guys get radicalized half the time. I mean, people don't remember, but the New York Times put out an article at the same time that Judge Napolitano made uh, on his show on Fox, which is now a YouTube video, how the vast majority of radicalized guys, these terrorists arrests, the vast majority were are radicalized by the FBI. And when you look at like the Orlando guy whose father was shown like on a private tour of the White House and who he himself had been seen with the FBI, it, they they're using these these data points as an excuse to say we need to implement pre-crime. Like if you're ever arrested for anything, even if you get off and it's the wrong guy, you should be under surveillance forever or I don't know what, but the but Another reading of that is that these guys go in and are 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 flipped like Alu Akbar, not Al Akbar, Al Baghdadi. He was in our prison for a long time. Now, did we train him how to do this? You know, or is he? You know what I mean? I, ISIS is us, probably. So, yeah, you got to look both sides of that. Anderson Cooper interviewed somebody yesterday. They went through all of the terror, not all of them. They went through like. Five or six terrorist attacks, including the the bombing where the guy left the guy, like the one that happened like a year ago in Chelsea and a few others. Chelsea? Yeah, yes. th- they went through like five that the the Fed stopped. And right after they played the clips of these, the guy goes, "Yeah, most all of those were you know were prevented by because we had informants." And I'm going, "Oh, because you're the ones who created them." That's essentially what yes. that is. They were operatives, and they use that to make. Law enforcement looks so great because they create problems and then <laughs> stop them. It's like paying but, a guy to go snatch a chick's purse and letting you beat him up so you look like the hero. Yeah, and look at what happened in Oklahoma City. They're not telling us what they really brought Oklahoma there. City up too, and they talked about the trucks. They use that as an example of people using trucks to commit terror. Yeah, but there's a a the, like foremost military bomb expert. He was a retired guy who did an, uh, I would say, indisputable analysis, very clear that that Timothy McVeigh truck could not possibly have accounted for the damage pattern. So they do, oh, World Trade Center 93. World Trade Center 93 was absolutely positively an FBI sting operation, and their operative inside was not going to allow them to use live explosives. So they pulled him, and then he recorded a conversation he had with his handler saying, remember? Yeah. Saying, you said you weren't going to use live explosives, and now six people are dead. What is your problem? All right, so I wrote down a handful of ways that this attack compares and contrasts to the one in Vegas because there are some some similarities that are kind of odd to me that stood out, and I – so I'll just read these off to you and see what you think. The suspects in both cases had multiple residences. It's not clear whether or not this guy, at least what I've seen so far, whether or not he was living in multiple places. But they did. The FBI did surround a residence in Florida that was the address that was on his license. So his license listed an address in Florida, and he was also apparently staying in this community that had a high – had a lot of Muslims. It was basically um, I think the most densely populated Muslim community in New York. So those were the two areas that police went and kind of uh, surrounded last night. And I'm going, this guy's an, an Uber driver. If he actually has multiple addresses, what kind of income is he making off of driving Uber? So his income is a little bit suspicious, and we also got the guy in Vegas who has houses you know, everywhere apparently. And an his- Uber driver. 
Don't forget, Uber drivers, if you if you want to go driverless technology, get everybody hooked on Uber and then pull the drivers out because they're scary. Uh, exactly, yeah. So the, And then the guy in Vegas, he's also got a, a kind of – you know, you don't really know where his money came from. They say he was gambling, but he didn't really show million-dollar profits worth of gambling. So we have multiple residences in both cases, and we have an income that's suspicious in both cases. We also have an outdoor attack. That happened on random random victims that could have done nothing to prevent it in both cases. We also have two cases where ISIS videos, ISIS propaganda videos from about a year before in some way alluded to doing what, what happened. So in this case, they obviously they told people to use cars as weapons, and in the other case – they put Vegas in multiple ISIS propaganda videos that were made in the past 18 months. There was notes left at both scenes, of course. And at Vegas, they say that the note was the guy did all these complex calculations and he had the bullet projectile list. But then they just stopped talking about it. This one, they've been focusing on the note, on how the note was, you know, his he was saying that he his allegiance to ISIS. But in both cases, the notes were found at the scene of the crime. Let's, That's interesting. Let's see. Oh, in both cases – oh, yeah, and, and this was the funniest one to me. I played it in, in that clip earlier. In, in, at the Vegas case, this is a difference. ISIS kept saying that they they were responsible for radicalizing this guy. They said it over and over and over again, and immediately from the moment it happened, the news is going, yeah, 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 but there's no reason to believe that ISIS had anything to do with it. Oh, ISIS claimed responsibility for a 15th time, but we don't have any reason to believe that they did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, they were saying that about um, something that Trump said. Uh, uh, this was like a news report by Wolf Blitzer saying, and President Trump said blah, blah, blah. At, without evidence, as usual, <laughs> right. blah, blah, blah. It's like, like when Obama made a speech, everyone said, um, where's the evidence for that? Could you please footnote that speech aloud? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and then in this case, yesterday in New York City, it happens. And as you heard of that clip in the beginning, he says, well, we're waiting to hear from ISIS. I mean they're presuming <laughs> that ISIS is responsible. We're just waiting to hear them take responsibility for it. So ISIS takes responsibility for this other one and – it has no credibility, but because they've decided that this one's going to be attributed to ISIS, they're like, well, we're just waiting to hear confirmation from them. And it's all based on this note that they found, I guess. And I guess because the guy looks – I mean the, he could not be the more stereotypical terrorist, really. His, yeah. name, his like last name has Habib in it. It's, he lived <laughs> the in, Ali Akbar thing just cracks me up. Like he ran out of the truck screaming Ali, Ali Akbar. I'm like that just – Breaking news again, they're saying that the suspect requested to display the ISIS flag in his hospital room and stated that he felt good about what he had done and that his two cell phones had about 90 videos and thousands of images that are ISIS-related propaganda. So it appears they're beating us over the head with this, the suspect was radicalized online message. I mean, that's over the top. Cartoonish. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And ISIS still hasn't claimed responsibility for it. So in the previous case, ISIS is screaming, it was us. In this case, the suspect is screaming, ISIS radicalized me. We got two opposite ends of the spectrum here. I just got a headline flash across my screen from Wall Street Journal. Confusion turned to terror at scene of New York City attack. Witnesses describe struggle to make sense of Tuesday's events. Quote, I thought it was a prank. Yep, I heard that like three times. I thought it was a Halloween prank. I thought the kids were trying to trick everybody. I mean, that makes you wonder how real it really looked to the people watching this. That's the thing with Aaron Alexis at the Navy Yard. It was clear, like when you see the videos of him sneaking around with a gun, it looks like he's doing a drill. It doesn't look real at all. And this guy looks weird, too, running around with the two fake guns, kind of just not even running, just kind of. Yeah, you he know was... what it's saying in the mark. Like he was, he was clear. It looked like he was in a spot he was supposed to be because that's where the cameras were, and he just kind of danced around in that spot. But and amazing. that's the only camera image that we're getting. That this whole attack should be on camera. Maybe they don't want to show like it from fifty different angles. Right. We should, yeah, they should be able to show every single detail. Did you see the the van that got hit? The school bus, I mean. No, I only saw this guy's truck. It's, I said, 1999, a, it hurts. T-boned school bus that had 
It was a special needs school bus. Aww. And there was two kids on it, and they were okay. They This guy who was on the street, apparently, he live-streamed it, and he ran, he ran over to the bus, and you could see these two kids, these two special needs Aww. kids. And there it was really – that's one of the harder part – one of the harder videos to watch on it. Fortunately, they were okay. Oh, good. But it, it was just weird. Like, I, What time I, of day was it? It was – like five o'clock maybe or four when it happened. I don't remember the exact time that it happened. I think it was between four and five. But I didn't know where the – I know he could have sped off with the, the van after that or the truck. But, I mean, this thing was really T-boned, and I'm going, I don't know how a truck could get out of this situation right here, uh, this wreck, without being caught. Because this guy who was filming it, he ran across – he got there before the police had arrived. And I understand it's going to take the police a moment to get there, especially in traffic. But it was just like, where did the truck go? Where's this? Where's the start to finish here? How long did the attack take? That's the stuff that would really help you understand the the timelines. That when I investigated the Boston Marathon bombing, that the details, the timeline, it just it did not hang together, and it was clear that it was not hanging together. I could prove it to anybody at any time. And they, I think they give us less details now. I just saw another headline that says CIA releases more documents from bin Laden raid. Items yeah, collected I from the that. terror leader's hideout include his personal journal. So that's what's happening. They're dovetailing that right. with this. They're trying to because, amplify the theme. Yes, because they want to move this war over a time zone. All right, so another theme that was in Vegas and in New York was that in the immediate aftermath, as we talked about a, a little bit, uh, a little little while ago, it was like, okay, what are we going to do next to protect from these outdoor events? And they started talking about, what about the Macy's Day Parade? How are we going to protect the Macy's oh, Day Parade? Oh, yeah. It's coming. Oh, right. my gosh. And, oh, that's so funny. And with Vegas, it was, what are we going to do to protect these outdoor concerts where nothing can be done to stop it? So in one case, it was police everywhere, police in the tunnels, police in your wallet. They're everywhere. In, in the <laughs> case of Vegas, it was drones everywhere, snipers hanging from helicopters everywhere. And I, I thought they were kind of pushing – or was this a red herring? The security apparatuses. I think that was a little bit of a fake story. What do you the mean? The Reddit story about Chertoff's security apparatuses. Like when the underwear bomber came through, which was definitely a false flag, and the second underwear bomber was proven to be a false flag, the Chertoff's company sold all those big body scanners that are in the airports. Oh, and right. after Vegas, a Reddit thread from like the week before it happened said, oh, Chertoff wants to put all those body scanners in Vegas. And that, I think is feeding conspiracy theories. Yeah. It looks kind of fake. And then what what might happen is that you don't actually see that come to pass and it discredits the conspiracy theories. Yeah, it'd be interesting to follow up on that. And my next point was going to be that both cases were called lone wolves in the beginning. However, now I'm seeing that just a few moments ago, the FBI says they've located a second person wanted for questioning in the NYC attack. Officials said Wednesday night they found a man they were seeking for questioning in connection with a New York City terror attack. Another guy from Uzbekistan, and they don't really tell you much of anything about him. So they say he's a friend of the suspect. All right, so in the beginning, they were saying it was a lone wolf again, just like in Vegas. But in Vegas, if you even brought up the possibility that he had help, you're a conspiracy theorist. Here, even though they said it was a lone wolf from the get-go, they were searching for that online help for the online wolf pack, which they're not saying that this guy was part of the group that radicalized him. They're not saying hardly anything about him. They're saying he might not even be involved. They just want to talk to him. So I, I don't know what this guy is because they're not really telling him the same thing. The more news that breaks as we record, the more they emphasize how he followed this plan, that he was radicalized online. They're really trying to push this whole internet censorship that we talked about earlier. That's going to be what's next is we got to stop this. They, they continue to say the plan. He followed the plan to a T, like you said earlier. What did he plan? Like That's what I'm trying to figure out. What exactly did he plan? He, he plowed a bunch of people on a sidewalk. It's terrible, but it, it's not a sophisticated thing. It's not like he had to calculate a bunch of things. He just well, – He wrote those notes. 
In maybe Arabic. that took him a really long time to, to find <laughs> the right words. Maybe he doesn't words. speak Arabic. <laughs> oh, yeah, he had to learn Arabic. He had to first <laughs> learn Arabic. Then he had to construct the note. Convert to Islam. You Check know, with his FBI handler. You know what they kept saying? And they kept saying it the exact same way. I heard the expert on on Don Lemon's show say it. I heard the guy who came on to Anderson Cooper say it. And there was some anchor on ABC who said it. So I'm sure they said it on the other ones as well. But they kept saying a note was found either inside or around the van. And I'm going, how can you not know if it was either inside or outside of the van? Did you not follow up with the source and say, wait a minute, was it inside or outside the van? It just illustrates how one source is yes. where everybody's news is coming from because that, that – To a T. The, yeah, exactly. Every single to report a had to a T in it. Yeah, and that, that has to be exactly what that source told whoever – spread that that message about the note because who in the world would say either in and around how can you not figure don't that don't even say it if you don't know if, when i write my thing i don't i would never insert that into my precious airtime right. well, yeah you maybe, would say no it was found this is what it said was it partially spilling out was like half of it inside the window and half and out that like, matter? I, I know it doesn't it's so irrelevant yet they all repeated that talking point. It was just maybe kinda... it'll come up as being relevant because following the magazine to a T meant throwing handwritten notes out the window. Yeah, yeah. They said that. Yeah, the magazine said you need to construct and leave the note in a way where investigators aren't sure if it's in in the van <laughs> or around the van. Yes, that would be following that, instructions. That would justify everything. <laughs> Another difference I've noticed so far, and this could change, but for the initial press conferences I saw with Las Vegas, they were just – they were befuddled and nervous, and they were giving too many probably definitive statements in the beginning, which came back to backfire even if it was on purpose. The guy presenting yesterday, he was kind of smooth. He was not overly agitated, and instead of answering questions, he just said, we're still into the investigation, so we can't answer those questions. So there was a little bit of difference in the way they initially handled it. So it didn't give rise yes. to as many conspiracy theories, I think. I think that Yes, that... it seemed like that was part of the story with the Vegas thing, and this isn't. This is agenda items pushed yes, forward immediately. Point. We've got to get this stuff done. I mean, my guess is there's numerous pieces of legislation out there from the Honest Ads Act to the authorization to use force to uh, I don't know what, but they're clearly maybe the gun control stuff. Who knows? Right. The last similarity that I noticed we already talked about is the gun thing or not the similarity, but difference. The Vegas one is here's an example of why we need more gun control. New York, and as it appears right now, is here's an example of gun control working and saving lives. Ugh. I, yeah, I hate know. that. Yeah. I mean, oh, but a gun did stop this guy, right? It's just that it was in the the wise hands in the of hands of a police officer, and they talked about that a little bit in the press conference too. The guns are. We very much believe in New York that guns should not be here. They're only here for police officers to protect people. And, and cops uh, have a higher rate accident rate, like per incidence per owner, like on an apples to apples basis. I don't care, not knocking them. But if you really want gun control, the the people I'm afraid of are criminals and tyrannical government. And gun control laws do not take guns away from either of those groups. So I'm not for it. Well, that's all I got on the subject so far. You got anything else? That's it. I mean, I think that these uh, agendas are – I mean, this thing about about – Pulling in the uh, social media, it's just this – the internet was a limited hangout, and I know people think that it's our hope to overcome tyranny, but I honestly think when I see the media, when I see democracy in action, when I see how having a vote still placates people, even to the point where they pay taxes to have the government create technology that takes the, your own job away – I just – I can't help but think that this is all part of the plan of absolutely total information control, which is a stepping stone to a totalitarian government. That was actually a Bush program, right? Total information control. Oh, total information awareness. Total information with the, awareness. With right. the pyramid with the eyeball on top that is shooting out a beam that in, 
enrobes the entire earth. <laughs> it's the Illuminati symbolism is so shocking. I think they actually took it down off the Wikipedia. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all Thanks. I got for today. Thank you. This has Hopefully, been the- maybe we'll get some cool stuff that we can we can unpack about this uh, attack. Oh, I'm sure there'll be some discrepancies come up here in the coming days. There always are. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever Android platform you like to listen to podcasts on. You can go to PropagandaReportDaily.com, and on the right side, you will see all the little icon buttons. Thanks for listening, and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Later. Have you had enough? At the wire tab. If you've had enough.